0: Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, they're a big part of my training. The asked. <laughs>
1: you see, I'm always being hassled to change for trainers. And Jake, you see, what can I say? Ross says that they're a big part of his training. I
0: hear they get better after about twenty years. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe.
2: So we're here. We're back. It is the Running with Jake podcast episode. Something. What? What? 65. Thank you. Just been handed this. Breaking news. Episode 65. You are about to listen to. How exciting is this? Going to kickstart your day. Whatever you are up to. I hope. I hope. I hope. You slept better than I did last night. Oh, man. I don't feel on my own at the moment. I think people are really... I get the impression people are struggling a little bit with sleep. People don't have, perhaps, the best going-to-bed routine. I've tried everything. It's... It's a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Are you sleeping, Pete? I'm really struggling at the moment. I've got to
1: say I'm sleeping better than I've ever slept, yeah. I've I've gone a, oh, a few days a few days this week without a beer. Cheers. And I'm I'm sleeping much better. Absolutely. Um but you uh you did send me a voice message this morning, first thing. And we are to to, to give this a little bit of context, we are recording earlier than we normally record on mm. a Tuesday morning. So we're right up up a little, uh, an hour
2: earlier. Man, it is gonna take a lot of coffee to get through the day today. I mean, a lot. A lot, a lot. Why is this? What's the deal with that? Why aren't you sleeping? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I say I don't know. You know me very well. We've known each other years. I've never had a particularly fantastic relationship with sleep. For a start, I don't really like it. I feel it's just a waste (laughs) of time. I'm just wasting hours of my life in bed. Just think how much more running I could do, talking about running, thinking about running, playing video games, just doing stuff. You lost me there now,
1: because I used to know this fella who was perfectly nice. He was a totally nice guy. I got on really well with him. And then, like, you go out for something to eat, and he didn't like food. He swore (laughs) that he didn't like food, and he just said, food is a waste for me. It's just, like, I just... I just eat it because my body needs it, but I don't enjoy any kind of food. And what you just said there about sleep, you've lost a lot of people. You've lost a lot (laughs) of people right there because they're all thinking sleep is the best thing. God, I love sleep. And Jake doesn't even want to sleep. What's going on? That's a weird mindset. But
2: you know what? I think you're right because people do have different relationships with different things. So sleep, you mentioned food. Some people see food as just fuel and it's kind of like just what they do. I know there's a lot of people back from when I was a personal trainer that were really into kind of like, you know, the weightlifting kind of serious bodybuilding world and because mm. the nutrients the macronutrients the protein the carbohydrates the calories all that stuff was so important and it was just on their mind all the time it became such a chore so potentially almost lose their love of food and kind of just viewed it more as a as a as a, a function something that you just have to do and i feel a little bit like that with sleep i mm. mean i've tried everything so uh a runner that I've got in a performance community, Al, he messaged me. It's great because they look after me like I look after them. It's a real nice two way relationship, this. But you know, they check in with me like I check in with them. Jake, how are you doing? You sleep okay? And Al said, he said, look, you, you, why don't you try some lavender spray? My wife got me some lavender spray. He said, I'm not saying it's a cure uh, for everybody, yeah. but it might just help you find a restful place and you might sleep better. I thought I'll give this a go. Sure. They didn't have any in the chemist, but they had some lavender oil. So I thought I'll give this a go. Well, I tried it over the weekend, and it said, "Oh, put it on your trigger points and stuff." I wasn't really totally sure where the trigger points were, but I just put it everywhere, kind of bit high in my ears and like everywhere. But I was so oily <laughs> and greasy throughout the night, and it was—I mean, I and yeah, I, I wore quite yeah. light-colored sheets, so it's just like. Left a massive stain on the on the covers. Martina was not happy. I thought this is just disastrous. To be honest, it's just it's just disastrous. I've experienced with uh,
1: with that lavender spray stuff, and my wife's got some next to the bed, and I don't know why. She sleeps better than anybody I've ever known ever. She just like hits the pillow. <laughs> Gone like that, and then sometimes what she does for some reason I don't know why she starts spraying that lavender stuff about. But generally, by the time she goes to bed, she's so tired and dopey that quite often the actual spray thing's pointing in the wrong direction. So she presses it down like that, and I end up with a squirt of it in the eye. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> like this, is, this is it is <laughs> this has happened loads. And then as soon as she gets the lavender spray out, I think, Well, I'm not sleeping now, am I? Because I've got to go
2: and have an, a, an eye bath. I think people can get paranoid about the sleep thing as well, though. Mm. I, I certainly have done before, and Martina is definitely in that place, my girlfriend. She gets paranoid about sleep, and it's slightly different. My job, I don't have to be anywhere. So yes, I have appointments, I have recordings with yourself, with our guests, I check in with my runners, but my job's kind of relatively flexible, so actually, if I was to sit in my pyjamas for an extra couple of hours in the morning and work, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Whereas Martina has to go to the veterinary hospital, she has to be somewhere, and I think it puts kind of pressure on her, so she's like, oh, you know, starting to look at the time, oh, I'm getting a anxious, oh, I've got to start the going to bed routine, you know, that takes about 30, 45 minutes, Mm. but then subsequently gets in bed and then doesn't sleep because perhaps not tired enough, and then the mind active, overactive, and it's just, it can have a real negative effect, and I think it's sleep is important for everybody, right, but runners listening to this show, it's fundamental, Mm. it is just so important. I mean, the athletes we speak to on the show, you know, they'll talk about sleep quite often, and how important it is and some full-time athletes will have this the snooze in the afternoon to recharge the batteries because that's when you get fitter and stronger is when you sleep it's the it's the reset it's not when you train when you train you're actually breaking the body down but it is really really difficult i think to get it right i I do the whole mobile phone no blue light turn it off I, i mean i sometimes check emails and i'm like oh jake why did you do that um, but I do try to do that. You may be at the point
1: where you're analysing it too far, and, and I did say that I'm sleeping better than I've ever slept, and that's that's absolutely true because I don't generally have to be up. I get up when when like our, our, our girl goes to school, and that's it. But um, so so I'm up. I'm up when Becky's up. So she's up at about quarter past seven. So I'm up from then. But I don't have to get up at that time. If I want, I can continue to sleep. But I used to work uh, for over 20 years, I used to work on a breakfast show on a radio station, which meant I had to be in at work, the show started at 6 o'clock, I had to be 100 miles an hour at 6 o'clock, uh, which meant that generally I was up at about 10 past 4 in the morning. Wow. And, and I didn't used to sleep well then at all, because at night, as soon as you get to like 10 o'clock, like you, you start doing that thing, oh no, not going to do the blue light, uh, I can't have a, 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 cup of, a cup of tea or anything after like 5pm, I can't do this, I can't do that, oh no, oh I've had a coffee and it's like 10 past five. Oh no and then I think you just get over analytical of it all and and rather than just going right I'm going to bed because I'm tired I'm now going to sleep until I wake up because then you start worrying about how much potential sleep you're going to have as well so it's like i get to midnight and I'd still be awake and I'm going well that's it I'm only going to get four hours sleep and that's half the amount what I'm supposed to get because there's a we're all pre-programmed to understand that you know eight hours sleep is what you're supposed to get but then you know if you look at a lot of people like i think it was i can't remember was it margaret thatcher used to run i knew you were going to say margaret thatcher <laughs> was it her? i knew it she used to, i mean she used to run the entire country on three hours sleep a night don't get me wrong the uh you know the miners may not have had the best time of it uh, and and they,
2: they they may have thought that she needed a lot more sleep yes but to my knowledge margaret thatcher never took part in the london marathon I'm pretty certain. Very good point. Pretty, in fact, I'm going to Google it now. I'm on the marathon website, Thatcher. <laughs> Let's see. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. This is the Talk Derby to Me
1: podcast.
0: I know I well received it. It's not just in the local area and community, but um, globally, internationally. I've got uh, friends far and wide that, that tune in and uh, send their compliments on, uh, on what you're sharing with everyone. So well done, mate. Three times a week we talk to someone who's doing the city of Derby proud. Footballers and sports people,
1: actors, singers, bands and loads more.
0: I feel like I've known you for a very long time but we've only ever spoken in a capacity like this. That's a real talent, that's that's journalism. If you love all things Derby, give us a listen. We're all Derby aren't we? Available wherever you get your podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. On the subject of bad
2: sleep, I'm going to be sharing with you some tips and thoughts on what to do with your training if you do wake up after a poor night of sleep. That's coming up later on the show. But right now, we're speaking to Ross Braden, who is about to tackle his first ever marathon. Hey, Ross, how are you doing? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, pleasure. Look, we're always up for talking to really good runners about running, about training. We love it and I sense you love it. So it's 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 a good it's a good connection that we've got going on this morning. Have you been out for a run yet today or are you training today? What's going on?
0: Went for easy run this morning and we'll go again uh this evening. What's
2: in it what's an, an easy run? How far? And and how fast? What was your pace and what was your effort? Come on, tell me, I wanna know.
0: Yesterday and today were a bit different. Yesterday was about eight minute mile-in, which I just everything hurt yesterday but today usually about seven seven minute mile in and about 50 minutes
2: is that your kind of typical easy pace around kind of seven minute mile in is that is that kind of normal for you
0: yeah i try and not to look at my watch i mean obviously i do a little bit and go oh if i go a little bit quicker then (laughs) it'll be a nice nice average pace for strava but i try just uh if i feel a bit rubbish we'll we'll slow it down and not worry about it too much but um i think Without really trying it, without sort of putting too much thought in it, it's usually around seven, seven fifteen ish.
2: Actually, I find this really interesting, actually, and I, obviously, I want, I really want to get into what you're training for because I understand it's your first marathon.
0: It's a, it's a long-awaited debut. Yeah,
2: I've got to ask you, I've got to ask you about this. This going to be eights. but you, know what I find really interesting what you said there about oh Monday yesterday. Yeah, I we we record on a Tuesday for people listening to the show. So you were saying yesterday Monday start of the week. Ah, oh, legs feeling a bit, you know, heavy, a bit tired, a bit groggy, or whatever. Just eight eight minute mile in one town, and bear in mind you are a thirty minute ten k runner. Let's just put that in perspective. So you are you are rapid, you are seriously quick. So for you to go out there and be running eight minutes per mile, that's
0: that's a proper plod for you, right? It felt it didn't feel like a plod. It felt like uh, this is as fast as my legs are going to go today. I know some people can manage to do all their miles not far off their sort of race pace, but I would just break if I did so. Uh, yeah, it's kind of whatever, whatever my legs let me do.
2: Are you, are you pretty disciplined with pace, Ross? Are you quite happy to kind of not get caught up on the numbers and stuff? I mean, all runners do, or, or, or I think all runners are in danger of getting caught up. You mentioned about trying not to look at the watch all the time and things like that. Are you pre- are you pretty chilled out when it comes to pace? Do you, do you try and kind of ease off the gas where necessary?
0: I'd be lying if I don't didn't spend most of the week thinking about how how what my what my pace is and how many miles I'm going to get in, but. I think i've learned the hard way from various injuries that if i do try and get them all under seven or six thirty, it just doesn't work for me and that actually i think the best way for me to know how fit i am is what pace i just sort of naturally go at
2: tell me about your marathon then because this is your debut marathon and i'm really interested to hear how somebody that runs the pace you do at your level how you feel about it being your first marathon. First of all, which one is it? And what happened last year? Were you intending on doing one last year?
0: Yeah, so I was meant to do London. Um, it's obviously the the one we all want to do. First one, you think of the crowds and everything else. Um was actually in, uh, I was on a training camp and about the week, everything sort of went to, uh, went to hell. And I mean, it was such a bubble because everyone was panicking at home and all we were thinking about was, well, maybe London might be cancelled. That would be really bad. <laughs> and then we got home and it was lockdown for... we <laughs> was like, okay, maybe London not going ahead is not the biggest thing happening in the world. But yeah, it was kind of an unfortunate year to to finally decide to have a first go at a marathon. So I was meant to do that in, obviously, April. And then there's this uh, a marathon going on in Wrexham, which they were going to try and put ahead in October. But that got cancelled a couple of weeks before... And now they're going to have another go at putting it ahead. They've got courses on each side of the border. So if the Wales rules are different. So um, it's looking like it might actually happen now, which is kind of a weird. I've kind of been marathon training for a year and a half without actually doing a marathon. And now it's like, well, actually, you might need to actually run this soon. So uh... And is it Wrexham you're doing, not London? Yeah, Wrexham, yeah.
2: And what's the course like? Is this is this a rapid course?
0: It's six laps around an industrial state, so uh there'll be a lot of lot of lovely sights. Wow. But um pan flat and a good field, so hopefully there'll be some people to, to run with.
2: You know some of the races you've done previously though? I mean you're half marathon, what? Six sixty minutes and thirty seconds, I understand? Yeah. I mean, you're not hanging about there. You can't really take things in, can you? Anyway, you know, you talk about the industrial estate, kind of six laps of this this course. And to anybody listening, that sounds like, you know, my gosh, six laps running around in industrial estate. But if you're really on it and you're really pushing, can you even take anything in while you're doing something like that? Are Are you so focused on the moment and how you're feeling and when your next gel is or when your next, you know, fueling pointers?
0: I don't take much in when I'm running. I've done a few, like the Vitality 10K... I couldn't tell you where we went because it was just paying attention to the people ahead. Um, but the half marathon I did was uh, it was in Lawn in in uh, Northern Ireland and that was along a coastal road. There was actually a few points where I sort of looked across and thought, oh, this is quite nice. And then it was back to <laughs> <Bane>. <laughs> this really hurts. And, uh... <laughs> How do you feel going into this with it being your first one? Well, I mean, it's it's a big difference because a half marathon... You're not thinking about gels. It's just turn up on the day and and just get it done kind of thing. um If it goes wrong, it'll probably go wrong at maybe ten miles, and you've only got three to go. Whereas marathon, there's there's a long way for it to, to go wrong. um Obviously, all the advice is first one be cautious. It's something my coach is telling me. And a year ago, my aim was a lot more cautious because it was my first marathon and new distance and all of that sort of stuff. But now I'm on my third uh, third marathon build. So, I mean, in my mind, I'm basically an experienced marathoner despite never running the distance. So my my target's gone way up and I think the hardest bit is going to be reining it in and not, not falling apart at the, the famous old 20-mile point. I'm excited but also a bit apprehensive of doing something silly.
2: Are you racing for time or are you racing for... Position, Ross. What's what's the main motivation here? What's the what's the game plan?
0: I think basically a time because I, I don't I think there's gonna be some some real quick guys in, but I will also there's some people that I know doing it around and once it gets to the business end, I'll try to put the time out of your mind and just try and race because I think it's really hard to really gear yourself up for a time. I think it's a lot easier just to go, I'm racing that person in front of me or I know that person. I train with them. I really want to beat them. That so I think it's a bit of both. But in my mind, there's there's a time that I really want to hit. I think, when all said and done, that'll be that'll be the sort of judge of success.
2: So, what's the target? What's the time? Come on, can, can you can can you tell us? Can you can you share it with us?
0: Under two twenty would be I'd be <laughs> really happy with. But in my mind, I'm sort of thinking uh, maybe two eighteen based on training. So, it um, it will be reviewed. I think it's it's uh, it's ambitious, but. We've got to be ambitious, haven't we? here yeah, gotta to, gotta to give it a go. It is ambitious,
2: mate, and just hearing that number is tiring me out. Blimey. It's unreal, isn't it? I mean, this is a full marathon, Pete. This is this is twenty six point two miles. I know. And I'll be happy if I can go under two twenty. But I might be thinking two eighteen. It's just it's just another world, isn't it? So in terms of like your training, do you, long runs, so how far do you typically cover? Do you run on time? Do you run on distance? What does your coach have you do?
0: It's a bit of both. Um there'll be there'll be some runs that it's just Cover 20 miles or run for two, two hours, two and a quarter hours. And then there's obviously some sessions. So on Sunday, it was basically 13 miles at marathon pace with some, some warm up and warm down. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good mix. Sometimes the long runs, it's just however you feel. Um, I try and do them a little bit quicker just because I think it's good to kind of put yourself in a bit of pain for, for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning
2: yeah you've got to strengthen your mind haven't you I think when it comes down to, to, to things like that is that something you're quite conscious of rather than just training that the physical body you touch on kind of running on your own and it's obviously more motivating if you're with somebody else or other people i know i know restrictions make it a little harder at the moment but we can run with a, another person and you know keeping social distance and safe and stuff do you try to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to kind of replicate how you might feel in the race
0: i really find the mental side important for me um i basically in 2016 got really ill and had to take about a year out of the sport from um Got glandular fever and chronic fatigue and um I basically pushed myself into the ground and since then it's I found it quite I really have to make myself it's like my brain's now protecting me because it's like well we got really ill last time so it's it's all about getting used to absolutely pushing myself to the limit again and knowing that I can get there and I'm not gonna collapse or whatever else so um yeah, I, I really find that working on the mental side and just like a training diary is great for that because you can t- kind of feel really awful and then you can still do another couple of miles like you, you feel like you've got to stop but then you do dig in and you're not as knack as you thought and just reminding yourself of sessions you've done and all your training I think it's really important for pushing yourself to that limit which I think is so important when you're doing something as mental as the marathon because it's not just a uh, Physical battle—it's—it's it's mental being out there for that long.
2: And when you were ill, Ross, was that through pushing yourself? Is that what caused the illness?
0: It was a bit a bit unlucky. Um, I, I caught glandular fever. Um, didn't didn't know I had it. Felt a bit ill, but I was I had a half marathon, so it's like well, it doesn't matter if I'm ill because <laughs> I've trained hard for this. I'm in good shape. Even the day before I was really not feeling well. Like, I was doing sessions and like in the in the week before, and I'd be dizzy and. I wouldn't be able to do 400 metres at half marathon pace, but being a runner, I thought, well, it's just taper, it's just this, it's just that. So I ran it anyway. I remember being three miles into the on pace and thinking, this this isn't good. I don't, don't feel quite right. Um I kind of finished way off what I wanted to be, um, and that was basically the start of it. I probably wouldn't have been ill for so long if I hadn't done the half marathon. I was a bit younger. I thought I was invincible all year I never really understood the whole listen to your body thing until the sort of illness when I went, okay, you've got to actually take stock of the signs and when you can't run half marathon pace for 400 metres a few days before... Maybe she'd miss it or take a few days off or whatever, so
2: You mentioned training diary. Do you use kind of a paper diary or do you stick to the likes of Strava or Training Peaks? What what do you what do you use and what sort of information is important for you to log?
0: I've got it all on a, a word doc just so just because I'm not organised enough to not lose a paper diary. Fair um, point, fair point. It's basically how I feel, anything I notice, um, any niggles or it's kind of just looking for patterns so that if I get injured or If I do something silly like race when I'm ill, I can look back and go, you're an idiot. (laughs) You've put in the training diary. You felt tired. You felt tired. You didn't want to run. And then you've still gone and done it or your hamstring was tight. And then you've, you've tried to run as hard as you can. Of course, you got injured, so it's just kind of looking for patterns.
2: Pete, this is great. We should keep like a training diary for the for the podcast, like a show diary, like a word document. You're good on Word. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Like yeah, if we have yeah, a bad yeah. show, we can kind of analyse mm. why. Like, well, mm. Pete, you were feeling a bit tired that day. That's probably why we had a bit of a bad show. I think that could be useful. I'd started something like that if you remember
1: uh but we got to show number three um each time it was a bad show because either you or i um was a dickhead and so <laughs> you know there's no there's no way of changing that is there because we're stuck you know we're stuck together and uh, so since then the word document has not been updated fair enough i love the way you share the responsibility there <laughs> It's important. It's either you or I. I mean, it's one of fundamental. It's never the
2: guest fault. That's the thing. Let's put the spotlight back on Ross. <laughs> Tell me about Please. your long runs, Ross, because the long run for a marathon is obviously fundamental. It's a staple training session ingredient of any kind of training program. What do typical long runs look like for you? I know you mentioned a bit of marathon pace there. So, what do they look like? And secondly, how do you fuel them? What What's your kind of structure with a with a long run? Do you carry your own fuel? What fuel do you use? Tell me about it.
0: Yeah. So. It's kind of two weeks of long runs with some uh, marathon pace efforts in and then another one or two weeks, just kind of whatever pace I feel like. Um, I try and for the non marathon pace stuff, I'll try and get off road and get some hills and just, just vary up a little bit with fueling. It's, it's something I've sort of been playing around with last Sunday. For example, I, I got it wrong. I thought, well, let's try and. Let's try and get more fuel in. I'll have one before I start, and then I'll have another after three miles. And then I felt sick for the rest of the run, and I got a stitch, so it was uh, it was all wrong. But usually, we'll try and have maybe a gel every half an hour, and then I'll put a bottle somewhere and I'll try and take some sips of that as well. Um I think it's just just getting used to having gels at the pa- at the, um, the pace you're going to be doing the, the marathon at, because it's very easy to be sort of plodding along and and have gels every half an hour when you're just doing a normal easy run but when you're trying to when you're breathing hard and you're you're working hard to actually get the gels down it's it takes a bit of practice so um a big part of the training has been getting used to that
2: that's a great point because it it is significantly different, isn't it, when you're running at pace and taking on this this fuel and stuff, and you haven't really practiced that in training. I think that's something I've learned over the years, really, Ross. You got to kind of test that. I didn't in the early days, kind of running marathons and stuff like that, um, and then you just you find yourself fighting with a gel or whatever it is you're using at the the water stations and the fueling stations pouring it all over your face or squeezing it over your your chest you know it's just just not ideal what do you use which 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 type of gel
0: uh, i use um, mortons um i found that just the the texture is is a bit more drinkable a bit more expensive but it's uh, all those marginal gains isn't it
2: <laughs> yeah well you talk about marginal gains tell me about shoes you know what i'm asking what, what? What? I guess you're not going to be running in your slippers. Are they made of carbon? What, what? What are you going for?
0: Carbon shoes. I've Never heard of them. <laughs> 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 of course, I'm in uh, in carbon shoes. Tried a few different few different types. Um, I mean, I find that I do some of my long runs in them just because it it does take a bit of pressure off your your legs a little bit. It's part of part of what's going on. It's part of technology and. I don't think you're going to see many people on that start line that aren't in them so you've got to be in them too. Uh...
1: Obviously you mentioned there Ross that you've tried uh, several different types of uh, of shoe. Um one one question I'd ask and I suspect you haven't tried this yet uh, because not many people do. Um I got myself a pair of Everlast trainers from Sports Soccer uh, back in 1998 and I've since been using them to run. And I just wonder if you've ever tested the Everlast Jog 2, they're
0: called. (laughs) They're a big part of my training, the Everlast, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't
1: sure. You see, Jake, you see I'm always being hassled to change for trainers, and Jake, you see, what can I say? Ross says that they're a big part of of his training, and, you know, he's aiming for, like, under 220, so, you see... Everlast gets Ross's vote.
0: I hear they get better after about 20 years so um, (laughs) you should be should be seeing the the benefits soon. I I
2: thought you were going to say 20 miles. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. myself,
1: Myself and Ross and of course let's not forget Rocky with his gloves Everlast gloves the three of us on board with Everlast, thank you. That's all I mean. I mean, mean. obviously,
2: w- we like to have photos of our guests as part of the image cover for each episode. And I think for for this episode, we should have a photo of Ross uh, five minute miling around London <laughs> in a pair of race shorts and a singlet, sporting the lovely a lovely pair of Everlast Jog Twos. That <laughs> that would be a great a great cover. I can just see that happening. What are you wearing, Ross? Which which carbon shoes have you gone for?
0: For race day, I've got a pair of the uh, Nike Sense, which I'll I go for.
2: Yeah, they're
1: my second choice, mate, obviously. Um,
0: whatever <laughs> whatever Ross said. <laughs> Just for the house. Cause, It's because it's the Everlast are out of stock, yeah, so yeah, i have yeah. to they, settle. They, they generally
2: are, unfortunately, only available on eBay as uh, second-hand nowadays. Unfortunate, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I think personally, whether you're in a swanky pair of Next Percents or whether you're sporting a lovely pair of Everlast Jog 2s like uh, our friend Pete here, I think you can absolutely smash Rex and Marathon. That's the 25th of April. Before we let you go, we cannot possibly end this call without asking you the question that we ask everybody. I know Ross is ready for this one. He's ready. <laughs> <laughs> He's poised, look. He's poised. He's he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Ross was more nervous about this question, Pete, than actually coming on the podcast and talking about the Wrexham Marathon. He's, the Wrexham Marathon is easy compared to this question. Ross. This is a high-pressure <clears> <throat> moment. This is the this is the moment. Ross, this is your weekly dose of running motivation. Are you okay with this, by the way, Ross? <laughs> I'm ready. I mean,
0: once this is done, Rex
1: will be another one. Okay, okay. Please, <laughs> sorry, continue, Jack. I just need Are to check. Just need to make sure that our guest is, is happy and comfortable and enjoying what's happening. That's great. Because okay, you went a bit silent looked a bit panicky. <laughs> Ross, <laughs> this is your weekly dose of running motivation. We, I don't know I don't know if we're hamming this up a bit
2: too
0: much. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, carry on.
2: Carry on, please. What does the word motivation
0: mean to you? For me it's it's what gets you out when you're when you've had a long day and it's raining and it's windy. It's it's what's your reason that you're running? Like why why are you gonna make yourself go out in the cold and the rain when you feel really tired and you don't wanna do it? I think that's what it is.
2: Pete, that was worth the build-up. He absolutely smashed it. Knew he would. Ross, it's been a pleasure, my friend. You have a great rest of the day. Catch up soon.
0: Cheers. Thanks, guys. Running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation. Out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now
2: irrespective on whether you have a good relationship with your sleep or not. I think one thing we have all experienced is a poor night or nights of sleep that can affect our mind, it can affect our body. We wake up tired, grouchy, we don't feel like training, but guess what? There's a training session on the plan. What do you do? Well, I've got some thoughts on this, and I think it's really important that you do make the right decision, not just for your mind, but primarily for the body. You've got to consider the body first. That's point number one. So make the decision on whether or not you skip the session based on how you physically feel, not your emotions. And I think it's also worth considering how many nights of poor sleep you've had, like consecutively. Because if you have one bad night of sleep... You wake up, you feel a bit groggy, but by the time you've kind of come around, you've had breakfast, you've had a coffee, you're okay. So one night of poor sleep doesn't really make a big dent in your training, it doesn't really affect you physically too much. But I think if you have day two, day three, day four of poor sleep, that's when things can really start to be affected. So I think you need to base it on that as well. And then of course the second thing is, what do you do? You've got to ask yourself the question: do you reschedule or do you just completely miss the session? Well, If you've got to reschedule the session, obviously that's a little bit easier if it's earlier in the week that you suffer the poor sleep. If it's later in the week, and if we typically look at our training over the period of seven days, as most of us do, it can be a little hard. So if you're running, let's say, three days a week, And on the Monday, when you typically tend to run, you had bad night's sleep on the Sunday, you've got the option to move that Monday session into one of the other three free available days. So you've got some flexibility. So you've got to factor in how many times a week you train and whereabouts you are feeling, you know, within that week, where are you feeling the fatigue and the tiredness? Is it at the start of the week? If it's at the back end of the week, I would suggest possibly not thinking about forcing it shoehorning it into the following week of training because that may be too stressful for you don't be afraid just to miss it remember training is about consistency day after day week after week month after month year after year so it's not about one single training session if you do miss it it isn't the end of the world so make sure you make the right decision it may be the case that you think you know what i am tired but i've not had that many bad nights of sleep but I've got this really long session to do today on the plan, or I've got a serious interval session and I'm just not feeling up to it. Well, you can actually adjust the stress level of the session. So it may not be a case of do it or don't do it. You might want to adjust it. So how can you reduce the stress level of a session? Well, there's different ways you can do this. You could reduce the duration. So if you're perhaps doing a 60-minute run and you think can't quite tolerate that, halve it. Do 30 minutes. Maybe you feel like pushing to 40 minutes. Fine give the body what it wants. You might want to look at the distance. So if you're looking at running 10k, reduce that, only run 6k. And you'll feel great as well because... You feel like you're still doing what you can. It's a real kind of pragmatic way of approaching your training, and even though you're tired, you're still lacing up and getting out there, and I think it's a win for mental strength as well. And let's not forget as well, and I've got very little experience on this, but
1: um, let's not forget that when you're physically tired, there's a better chance of you sleeping, whereas if you go to bed all backed up about the fact that you've not done anything today, um, and you aren't physically worn as well, there's less of a
2: chance of you sleeping well that night. So it's an ongoing process. That's a great point, Pete, actually, because you're not having that release. You're not hitting that reset button. And I know you feel that running gives you that at the moment, sort of get away from the desk and just hit that reset button so that's definitely something to think about as well you don't want to be backed up as you say when you get in bed and feeling frustrated, you want to make sure that you're doing what you can to look after yourself now you won't actually have this problem Pete, in terms of another way to reduce the stress level of a training session we've mentioned duration, we've mentioned distance but you live in Mickle over in Derbyshire it's not the hilliest of places there are some hills but you can run easily on the flat, for people that uh, live in really hilly areas that can be quite difficult can be quite challenging and it's something to factor in because obviously a way of reducing the intensity of a run might be to change the elevation profile. If you do live somewhere where you have the option, like yourself Pete, where you can run on the flat or run on the hills and perhaps you were looking at running on the hills, maybe you just want to shelve that for another day when you're feeling a bit more alive and you've slept well. So on that day when you're feeling a bit groggy, be kind to yourself, maybe back off the pace, run on the flat and maybe cut the run a little bit shorter. You could treat yourself like an elite athlete. I know you do this a lot, Peter. You could treat yourself (laughs) like an elite athlete. I treat myself as an elite athlete every time I put my Everlast trainers on. Absolutely. (laughs) And what do I mean by this? You could have a little nap in the afternoon. Now, this can't work for everybody, of course, depending on your responsibilities. But, you know, apparently, according to NASA, 24 minutes is the optimum time for a power nap. So if Mm. you could just schedule that in the afternoon and treat yourself to a little snooze, uh, even if it's something you don't ordinarily do, it could just be enough to kind of stimulate you again. Once you get up, once you've kind of woken up again, it can be enough to give you a bit of a boost, a mini reset, and then you might have the energy to get out there. So I think that's definitely something you could look at. Whilst I know very little about training, what I do know about is afternoon sleeps,
1: because I did mention earlier that I used to wake up at like 10 past four every day and and you can't go and then work an eight to ten hour day and then continue as normal so i'd get home and have just like about half an hour's sleep and it really does just hit the reset button in every way possible so it's like it completely breaks the day up so i'm a massive fan of that and just half
2: an hour completely re-energizes you big fan of that you are definitely the three toad sloth of the running world Uh, (laughs) number five the final point is if you are training twice a day some people are. Some people do double days. They they run in the morning and then run later in the afternoon, early evening. And by the way, training twice a day could also constitute uh, cross-training or it might be some strength work. So depending on what those sessions are, I think it's important if you think, okay, I'm able to, to still do these sessions – uh, I've not missed that much sleep, but I've missed enough that my motivation isn't quite there, because that can that can have an effect, right? If, you, if you're not really slept that well, maybe your body's okay, but actually motivation-wise, you're like, oh, I'm struggling today to get out there, just the thought of it. Well, what I would suggest you do is the session you are least likely to miss, do that last. Make that the second session of the day. And this is exactly what I'm doing today. So as you know, I didn't particularly sleep very well last night. This is the subject <laughs> for the show today. And I've got two sessions to do. I'm doing some strength work, probably about 40 minutes of a strength session, and I'm doing a, an easy run. But I know that the run is the thing that I'm le- less likely to miss so I'm going to do that later in the day. So after we've finished recording the show this morning, I'm just going to get in the garden, do a bit of a garden workout, a bit of strength work, because I know that if I do the run first, I'm more likely to miss the strength session a little bit later on, if that makes sense. So it's just about taking ownership of your training, as it as is always the case, and don't be a passenger. Take ownership of it and make some smart, logical decisions, which ultimately strengthens your relationship with running and helps you to feel better, which is absolutely key. So a very quick summary, five Uh, really key points considerations you can make if you don't sleep particularly well and you've got a good training session the following day so make the decision based on how you feel physically not emotionally okay so how and look at how many nights of bad sleep you've had is it been one or is it several you could reschedule it or you could miss it that's the next question to ask yourself If you do decide to do it, you could perhaps reduce the stress level of the session, volume, duration, consider the elevation profile. Number four, can you be like an elite athlete like Pete here? Could you nap in the afternoon to hit the reset button? (laughs) And number five, if you are training twice a day, it might be worth doing the most challenging session that you're more likely to miss. First, get it out the way. I hope that helps. Sweet dreams. Running with Jake, the podcast. This is the part of the show where we take one of your questions and help to give you the answer. Well, we, we aim to. That's our intention. It is hashtag Ask Jake. And Malk centers, ooh, bit of a technical question here. He wants to know, what's the best calculator to use to work out your maximum heart rate? Now, there's lots of different formulas out there, Malk, and these can be wildly inaccurate, worth bearing in mind. But the most accurate one I know of is where you take your age and you multiply it by 0.7, and that figure you take away from 220 so in my case i'm 42 if i was to multiply 42 by 0.7 that gives me 29 and then 220 minus 29 is 190. so in theory my maximum heart rate is 190 beats per minute now knowing uh, my maximum heart rate is a do from testing that's actually not that inaccurate but it is worth bearing in mind that when you use a formula like this it can have variation of up to 15 beats per minute either side so if it it does spit you out a calculation of let's say 190 in my case that could be anywhere from 175 to 205 so not super accurate but i think it's a very good starting point i hope that helps get calculating if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake well done everybody we made it to the end of the show the matchsticks and the coffee served us very well i am now going to hit the garden for a mini strength workout followed by a run later today i hope you have a great day training whatever you're up to have a great week of course myself and pete will be back next week for your weekly dose of running motivation oh and one more thing You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are, and change the ending. Just so long as the main character doesn't die in the end, because you know, I hate those films.